Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 304. I have this ability to just say why all the time. You know, it's like that little annoying kid, you know, that says, but why, Dad? But why? You know, and, and, and I think that's the most important thing that, that has got me to where I am partly today is because I've questioned everything. And when you question things, you get answers. And if you don't get answers, you go and find the answers. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantsowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Dean Brischneider. Dean, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. <laughs> Every day unstoppable. You've got to be, man. You've got a lot going on. So New Zealand native Dean Brischneider, a.k.a. The Global Baker, has earned many accolades, dedicating his life to the craft of baking, author of 13 cookbooks, columnist, TV personality, judge, teacher, student, and restaurateur. This guy uh, does a little bit of everything. In 2012, Dean opened the first two of what is now seven Baker and Cook locations. And in 2015, he opened Schneider's first gourmet sourdough pizza restaurant, Plank Sourdough Pizza. And in January 2017, opened the first Baker and Cook Plank Sourdough Pizza in uh, Manila. And in 2000. 16 of April 2016, uh, Dean opened Brett Schneider's Baking and Cooking School. Man, I don't know how you do all this, but we're going to find out. That's what the podcast is here to do, to figure these things out. How do they do this? Uh, and a special thanks real quick to Tim Strange. Guys, if you email me telling me you want to hear from somebody, I will get them on the show. I'm not lying. This is a, this is the result of somebody telling me you got to get Tim, or sorry, uh, Dean on the show. So thank you, Tim, for writing me in. If you're not already jacked up just listening to all this stuff that Dean's been up to, uh, we're going to jack you up a little more and just have you share a success quote or mantra to get the kind of that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. What do you have for us, Dean? Oh, look, you know, um, the, 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 the quote that I would have is saying, uh, passion is our main ingredient or passion is your main ingredient. Mm, I love it. And why do you focus so much on that passion? Oh, look, I think passion, you know, it, it's something it's something you can't manu- 
manufacturer. You know, it's, it's you're born with passion, and, and everyone's passionate about something. You know, whether it's mountain biking, golfing, sailing. It just happens to be that I'm very passionate uh, about baking, and and I think you know when you wake up every day, it's just in you. You know, you you don't, you don't sort of you don't wake up and then put on another hat that says passion. And then when you get home, you take off that hat and put on another hat. It's just, it's just in you. And actually, it's part of life, really. Absolutely. And that's one thing I have learned to really make it in this industry, to really have that edge over the so many other people who are trying to compete for the same clientele, to really wake up every day and bring it the way you have to bring it. You really have to have that fire inside of you uh, to make it feel like it's not working. I mean, it's going to be tough, but that passion, that drive to do what you love is what's going to push you over the edge. Is that safe to say? Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, and I think sometimes, you know, look, as I mentioned, everyone's passionate about something, but, but look, equally as I'm as passionate about baking and, and creating great products and, and serving all the people that we do, I'm also passionate about business and passionate about people. And, you know, from a, a success point of view, you know, it's not just being passionate about that loaf of bread because you can put a hundred hours into a loaf of bread and still get eight bucks for it. Mm. You know, so you have to be passionate about business. You have to be passionate about people, and then you combine all that up, and then that's that's actually what you get out of it for. Awesome. Um, so I kind of gave the listeners a big idea uh, or a big picture of who you are and what you got going on, but why don't you just real quick tell us uh, a little bit more about what you have going on right now before we kind of find out how you got here? Yeah, listen, uh, five years ago, actually, we have our fifth birthday this weekend uh, here in Singapore. You know, five years ago, I... I came here to Singapore on the way to New Zealand because I live in Copenhagen, uh, married to a Danish girl. Uh, I've got a small business in London uh, called Crosstown Donuts with some mates. And, you know, I came here for a bike ride. And, and that sounds really weird, but I, I, you know, I'm a keen cyclist because I'm passionate about cycling. And, and so one of my friends happened to be a Danish guy and he, he said, Dean, I haven't seen you for a long time. You know, just call by... Um, Cool by Singapore and we'll go for a bike ride, you know, get our legs working. And so after the bike ride, you know, believe it or not, five years ago, five and a half years ago, you couldn't find a good, a really good coffee and a good eggs Benedict or a good loaf of bread in Singapore. So after that particular bike ride and, and then we had a pizza in the evening at a pretty random sort of casual neighborhood place. Um, we, we just discovered that why don't we throw you know a couple of hundred grand in the middle of the table and um, and start a bakery. So five years ago, that was it. You know. Wow. Um, I I want to come back to just the value of what can happen when you find a niche in a market and just fill that niche and do it amazingly. Uh, but first, I really want to get that that backstory of how you got to where you are today. So it sounds like at a very young age, you fell in love with baking. So when did you know that this was going to be your career and not just a for now job. Yeah, no, look, I think, uh, my, look, I grew up in a rural setting. So, you know, my grandmother, the farmers and so forth. So I was kind of always hanging around the, the kitchen table. And, and that was really the, I guess, the pinnacle time, you know. And, and in those days, you know, you didn't go to the supermarket to buy chocolate chip cookies. You made them at home. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of how I grew up. And so by the nature of that, and then, you know, I went to school. You know, I went to school, and, and the baker of the, of the city uh, or town that we lived in came to the school and said, hey, you know, have you got a guy? I don't know why. In those days, he said, you can't, could say, I want a girl or a guy. And he said, I want a guy. I want a guy that, that would be interested in a baking apprenticeship. 
Okay. So I was the only guy doing home economics <laughs> at school. So I got the opportunity to, to be put forward. And, and ever since that day, and I would have been 15, 16 then, um, ever since that day, I, would, I took on the apprenticeship. And I, I just knew, I just knew in my heart. And it's not just about whether you like something. You know, I have this, uh, I have this ability to just say why all the time. You know, it's like that little annoying kid, you know, that says, but why, Dad? But why? You know, and, and, and I think that's the most important thing that, that has got me to where I am partly today is because... I've questioned everything. And when you question things, you get answers. And if you don't get answers, you go and find the answers. Mm. And uh, so, look, that was just that just literally, you know, set the scene for, for me going to, to college, you know, to learn baking, to go to, uh, to, 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 to be competitive, you know, entering competitions. And, um, you know, just finding out about, you know, what, what made success and, 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 you know, making the best bread I don't know, bread roll or something like that. Awesome. And I mean, at what point, um, I mean, you obviously knew you were going to be a baker from a very early age, but at what point did you start to envision and dream of being a restaurateur? Because it seems like you did a lot with this global baker brand that you developed for yourself. And I think that's one thing we can probably talk about too, is developing a brand for yourself. Um, how did you, I mean, were you, how intentional were you with getting the experience you got to, you know, fast forward to where you are today, did it all just kind of happen or was there a, p- a plan in place? No, I, I, I don't think you can have a plan, you know, because if you're too rigid, you know, of course you can have a vision. I think vision is more important than mm-hmm. a plan. And, um, you know, things, things, things dovetail. You know, I remember after finishing my apprenticeship, look, I went to Europe when I was 20, uh, you know, as the youngest New Zealand uh, apprentice of the year. And, you know, all these little little stepping stones just help and, you know, building confidence and, and building your vision. And, you know, look, I, it'd be fair to say I knew I had something in me. And, 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 I, and at a very early age, I understood marketing. And, and I don't, I've never been to university. Um, but something in, you know, I, I used to be a very good uh, rugby player and, and football player, soccer player. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got my name in the paper a lot. And then I got my name in the paper for baking. And, and so I just kind of knew that, you know, there was something going on there that, that, that I liked. Okay. You know? And, um, you know, and so from there, you know, go to Europe. And Europe's just this melting pot, pot of influences, if you like. And so, you know, I took the time to travel. You know, I, I made – my parents asked me what I wanted for my 21st birthday, and I said a ticket to Europe. Nice. Um, and, and rather than the party, I, I had the party in Europe. But <laughs> um, so I think you know, just that vision to to look beyond and and and, and know there's something out there, uh, and then you go about building it. And you know, but I, I have to say, you know, w- would I be where I am today if it wasn't for people? And you know, I remember you know getting my ass kicked around the kitchen in London, uh, where I changed from baker to pastry chef. And worked in restaurants, you know, alongside people like Marco Pierre White and mm-hmm. so forth. So, you know, I had my little bum kicked around the kitchen, but they were all learning things. Now, did I learn good things or bad things? It doesn't really matter. I learned lots of things that I can now, you know, utilize today in, in, a, in a positive way. Um, and, you know, I, you know, talking about the global baker brand, I mean, you know, I came back to New Zealand actually and, you know, I, I, I own my own bakery. At when I was 23. Wow. Um, 
And actually, my son's just turned 21 now. So, you know, almost those years ago, I opened my own bakery in New Zealand. And, and, and this was even sort of, you know, pre the whole internet thing. And, 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 and when, I, when I was developing uh, the, the business and, 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 you know, it was about people. It was about, you know, working hard. My God, did I work hard. You know, my wife said to me at the time, she said, hey, Dean, do you know how many staff we went through? And I think this is after year three. And I think I'd been through 45 staff. Wow. In three uh, years. I know. And I just went, wow. You know, that was a light bulb moment. And I just went, wow. All that I was doing was working, you know, because I was in constant training mode, right? Absolutely. I mean, just to summarize, uh, to kind of paint the picture, uh, you know, you learned from a very early age that this is something you wanted to do. 20 years old, you were an apprentice. Uh, you went to Europe. And I'm guessing you spent three years in Europe kind of just developing, continuing to ask why, to learn, to push yourself, to surround yourself with other passionate people, to really just fine-tune that craft. And uh, in three years, uh, you were back in New Zealand, opened your bakery. And um, I mean, that to me, at a very young age, 23 years old, to do all that, to to know, to have a kind of intuition to to know that to be the best, you've got to surround yourself with the best. Is that something that you were aware of then, or did that just happen by chance? Oh, look, and I think um, I, th- I think it, it didn't. No, it didn't just happen by chance. It, it just happened. You know, New Zealand's at the arse end of nowhere <laughs> for, for for a nice reason for for everyone that wants to go there. Um, so you know, you had to work hard on relationships. You know, because you know, today you can drop a text. You know, and 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 a, and a Skype call. But in those days, it was you, you dropped. You know, mail. You know, handwritten letters and and phone calls, which were expensive. So you really had to work hard with sincerity. You know, people, you know, nowadays people just think they can ring me up and, and, and I'm sure that there's many other entrepreneurs, food, foodpreneurs or entrepreneurs that, that people write messages to and it's like, I don't, how do you, how do you know, who am I, where? In those days, you really had to have a graft. You really had to have some, uh, some credibility behind you before people would actually even bother picking up a pen and writing back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really important part, I think, of, and that was the grounding that you don't necessarily get today. Okay, so today people just they want to be they want to be me, they want to be you know Thomas Keller, they want to be that just instantly. Yeah, you know, and, you, and you can't. You know, I I think we could talk all day about the value of people and just developing that human capital, that human uh, network. They say your network is your net worth. And when did you? really see i mean not that we're all um what's the word um it will come to me or but i'm sure you weren't looking at these relationships as a way uh to basically manipulate your way into circumstances you, you so how do you how do you do it in a way talk to us about the the way to set up these relationships uh, in a meaningful way uh, that will help us uh, develop a reputation for ourselves. Because I mean, like you said, it's so important. These people, these relationships. Uh, how do you how do you do that right? Uh, look, I think I think people can just you know, and 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 I traveled a lot. I mean, at a young age, I made a point of traveling. So you know, if there was something out that I wanted, I'd, I'd go there and get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily wait. And and I think you know when I when I meet people. Uh, young uh, or even old that want to change their career um, you know you can just see it in them you know you can just see the sincerity you can see the passion you can see it you can see it in their eyes really in the way they talk if they've got energy if they've got fire in their belly are they 
Are they are they are they in the corner? You know, with their shoulders down. Are they standing up? You know, tall and, and strong. You know, all those attributes. I think uh, what helped me. You know, confidence. Uh, arrogance is, is is a bad word um, that people misinterpret because um, you know confidence is is often mistaken for arrogance. But if you're confident and you know, but you've always got to leave something. You know, leave some sort of impression that that wants to make that person have another conversation with you. you know? And you can't, it's not something you write down. It's not something, it's just something within, I think. You know, it's, it's like it can be a five-minute meeting, but just the way that the, the, the body language was just makes you want to have that conversation with them again. And, and, and that's what you've got to do. Face-to-face is by far still, I think, the best. You know, so when you go to holiday to New York, you know, just don't go on holiday if you're really you know, focused, just make you find out, do your homework. I mean, my God, today you have so much information available. Um, you don't have to, you know, you tread the streets and knock on doors as hard as you would have been in my day. But it's just, it's just, it's a, it's an intuition thing, if you know what I mean. You've either got it or you don't. Um, yeah, you know. I, I totally understand what you're saying. The word that I couldn't think of before and it was bugging me is a uh, narcissist. You don't want to be a narcissist. You don't want to mm. use relationships to, to get yourself ahead and then forget about that person to help you get to where you are today. But I think we can really dive deeper into this, Dean. I think we can really pull back some layers. What are some like ideas, things that come to mind, things that you would recommend to us if we wanted to make an impact on somebody so they would want to keep the conversation going, so they would want to remember us in the future. I mean, what things can we do as humans to create those situations for ourselves? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's tough. It's a tough question. I'm sorry. I'm pulling back these layers. <laughs> you know, um, I've always thought, you know, your name has something to do with it. And, and my name, Brett Schneider, is is somewhat difficult for people because they end up calling me Brett instead of Dean, and so they call me Brett Schneider instead of Dean Brett Schneider. But you know, people, there's not too many Brett Schneiders around, and so people do remember. Uh, so when you, you you know, I think you know, there's t- there's so many you know John Smiths around. So how do you make yourself different than the John Smith down the road? Yeah. Um, listen, I, I just think you know you've got to have some sort of credibility. Um, you know, and now whether that's from school, um, whether that's from, you know, from, from the, the community, um, it doesn't mean that we all have to be do-gooders. Um, but, you know, I think, I think people that want to give time to other people, and predominantly we're talking, you know, it, you know it's not even about young people, they'll look for something. And I look for something, uh, apart, you know, in, in, a, in, in a non-meeting way, so in a non-physical way of meeting the person. You know, what have they done? You know, what have they gone outside and achieved? You know, it might be sport. You know, I mean, I was very good at sport. And, and, and so that was, so that just, I think, shows that, you know, if you're dedicated to one thing, that if you turn your hand to another thing, you, the, the high chances of success are, are, are probable, you know, are, are realistic. Absolutely. And, you know, just having the mentality that every day of our life is, uh, is an interview, we every moment uh, we are making an impression on somebody, and those little things that we do every day show up every day. That that uh, just that in, innateness about us, who we are, shows up every day, and people are going to remember that. Uh, so just remember that people remember every little thing you do. So it's you know every day you go to work, you're on a job interview. And one lesson I've learned just from studying social intelligence, and if you want somebody to take an interest in you. 
take an interest in them. Ask questions about how they got to where they are. Uh, Be curious about their life and what advice they have for you because of who they are. Uh, And just be curious. Do what you did. You always asked why. You're always asking why. And when when you're curious and you show your interest and you show your passion, people are going to take an interest in you. Is that safe to say? Yeah. And look, you you, you can afford to, you know, if you want something, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, they, they always say, you know, uh, there's no such word as can't, and and, and I, I I don't like to use that cliche, but you know if you want, there's always many ways to get where you need to go in life, and you know just because there's a roadblock up there, it means you might just have to go around that roadblock, and you know that 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 that's focus and vision, mm-hmm. and, and and you know passion, as I say, is is important, but focus and vision, because um, you know, the vision is a little bit long term. Uh, you know, and, and the focus, and, and I mean the focus, I mean, man, you can see it in people's eyes, you know, whether, you know, and I don't mean weirdly focused, I mean just passionately focused, and and, and, and don't give up, I mean, my God, I mean, you know, and anyone that knows me, uh, and, you know, both from, from a very personal perspective, knows that I just don't give up, and, and, and you know, but, but having said that, you know, you, I've got, you know, you build the credibility to, to, to get those those people listening, to get those doors opening. Um, and, you know, and it started for me, and I'll tell you what, the, the, one of the focal points, I started writing, I started giving back when I was very young. How old so, were you when you started giving back? Well, look, I was, uh, when I first started teaching, because I, before, before my business, I, I was uh, at the New Zealand Baking Training Centre, and, you know, can you imagine 20, 23 years old or just thereabouts, teaching at a, at a college, you know, to teach New Zealand's apprentices. And in New Zealand, there was only one training school. And so I was this young guy. So I, I gave back and to teaching, and I was still only young, and I'm still learning. Um, and But then, then we got into competitions, you know, for as you do in culinary colleges. I was, I was taking the team, so I was giving up my time in the weekends and, and at night, and, and, you know, to train people. Um, so, you know, so it, it, it really started quite young where I just felt that, you know, giving back, I started, you know, I was on the New Zealand Baking Society executive for, for whatever that meant at the time. <laughs> and, and, and I was writing in their journal because I felt that what people were missing in, in their journal, in, in this sort of magazine that went out to the industry, and it was very industry focused, uh, which is where I first made my name in the industry. Uh, I felt people were missing information about the technical side of baking, about why, you know, what happens when you, you put sugar in this and what happens in this. You know, it was more of a bit of a technical troubleshooting column, if you like. And, and again, that was 23, 24. And, and that's when I started to giving. And then when you start giving, people recognize. Mm. And, and as long as your facts are true, you know, that's the, that's the thing. So I learned very young at that age that giving has an immense amount of, of, of coming back to you totally unexpected in many cases, um, but that's where I made my name was in the industry, totally. Um, and then, you know, that, that, that just dovetail. I mean, baking, cooking, cheese, wine, it's all part of the same world. Awesome. Um, so you're 23, 24 years old. You opened this restaurant. Um, you, you, to kind of rewind, you said a big part of your success was having that focus, having that vision. So at what point did you... Uh, 
did this vision of where you are today come into frame? Like, when did you start visioning uh, where this, you know, this reality that you currently live in? I got the uh, wonderful opportunity through my relationships and through my credibility at a young age and through the industry context to go and work in China. Okay. So, so 2003, after I'd come back from, I did a second stint in London with my family as a comment. Um, and um, so 2002, I think, yeah, back in 2002, I got the opportunity to go to Shanghai with the family and set up a technical center for one of the world's biggest baking and ingredient companies. Okay. Time out real quick. How old were you in 2002? Oh, God knows. What am I now? 47. So uh, what's the math there? 13 uh, years ago, 14 years ago. Okay. So 30, 30, uh, 30 something, 32, 3. Okay, cool. So, I'm trying to put a timeline however, to it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> however, however, before I went there, I should just take you back a little bit to 2000. Uh, 1999, I wrote my first book. Okay. Right, I had a vision because you know how I was just telling you about I'd written for the public world, uh, sorry, for the industry world. And I had a vision, you know, in 2000, probably probably 1989 to be honest, that I wanted to write a book. Okay. And remember, remember way back then, there were no celebrity bakers. There were no real celebrity chefs writing books. They were all books written either from an, a very technical industry point of view or, or my grandmother's sort of recipe book style magazine-y things. So way back then I said, and I, went, I found a publisher because here's that don't give up attitude. I found a publisher in New Zealand um, uh, who was a, someone just said, why don't you go and speak to Bob and Helen? They were boutique, boutique publishers. And I said, I want to write a book about baking. And they said, that's great, Dean. And I showed them the articles that I'd written in these magazines and they said, that's excellent. And she said, uh, but how many books do you think you'll sell when you write like that? And I said, well, I want to write it for the bakers, you know, because, you know, people need to know the, you know, the whole technical angle. They need to know more about baking. It's not just about cups of this and cups of that and sugar and butter. And it's, there's a lot more to There's a science to baking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Dean, how many books are you going to sell? They said, and, and I, I don't know. And they said, you'll probably sell about 500. And I went, oh. And they said, what you need to do is you need to use your ability to write books for the public. So in 2000, in, uh, yeah, early 2000, my first book was published and it was called The New Zealand Baker. Okay. The New Zealand Baker. And it was all about, and, and I, I teamed up with a food writer. And so I, and again, there goes your relationships. I rang up this random lady uh, who someone said, why don't you call up Lorraine Jacobs? You know, Lorraine Jacobs is kind of, she's like the Julia Child of New Zealand. Okay. And uh, she, I said, hi, you know, because there's no internet. Hi, it's Dean. Um, Bob and Helen said I should give you a call. Maybe you want to uh, collaborate with me on a book. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll courier you over my CV. Courier, <laughs> because there's no other way. Uh, and she just got on the phone when, when she got my CV and she said, yeah, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And we wrote our first book uh, called The New Zealand Baker, you know, almost 90% me. And, and But I learned how to write. Okay. Lorraine took me under her wing and she, she taught me because she used to write for magazines for, for you know, uh, cuisine magazines and, you know, food magazines. Gotcha. She taught me how to write. And, and so I, you know, in 2000, I, I published my first book, The New Zealand Baker. That, that I have to say, uh, was, a, was a stepping stone to where I could see where I clearly wanted to go because... All of a sudden, back in 2000, I was probably one of the, the first bakers in the world to write a book for the public. Mm. Right? 
and 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 it was full of information. It was it's actually all about other people. I just wandered around around New Zealand with Lorraine, and we we picked sort of pretty cool bakers, and I and she wrote the story about them, and I took their recipes and 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 made them into home baking. And and you know, armed with that one book, you know, we uh, that that is where I saw. You know, that, that put me into the public world. Wow. 12 years. You said in 89 is when you knew you wanted to write a book. And you said in 2001 is when the book published, correct? Mm-hmm. 12 years. I mean, that's dedication. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's showing up. That's, that's, you know, not quitting while doing all the other things you're doing on the side. I mean, these things don't happen overnight. It, show, it, it, it takes showing up and having that vision and just keeping that vision uh, there and always knowing that it's there and, and committing to it. But um, I mean, how, one thing I think you've done really well for yourself is developing that brand. Um, so what advice do you have for somebody who's out there, a chef who, a young chef who, I mean, we're not all here to be, uh, you know, TV personalities, but it's good to develop that personal brand for yourself. So what are some of the things that you did um, in developing that personal brand for yourself to make yourself credible so people would want to buy your book and would want to come to you for your expertise? Yeah, um, which was quite interesting. So I had this book called New Zealand Baker, the New Zealand Baker, and 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 whilst I was immensely proud of it, and look, it did win uh, a golden ladle at the World Food Media Awards for the best uh, soft recipe book, and, and I have a couple of golden ladles. And you know that was like that was like the Emmys, you know, yeah. to, to to you know. So all of a sudden, I was in this this public world domain. To, to, to accept this uh, golden ladle and you know and it is like an Emmy award it, it really is it's that it's that big you know um, and uh, but you know people would go so then when I started to go international and this book was very uh, it did go international and people would go yeah but in New Zealand do they bake you know so <laughs> what in New Zealand and so I remember my first website was called nzbaker.co.nz right okay nz nzbaker.co.nz uh, uh, nz and, and people would go, really, in New Zealand, do they bake? You know? <laughs> because I, I don't think, if I, you know, and it's just like, you know, I mean, if it was Germany or France or, you know, Italy, people would get it. But So then, and then, and I was, that was a hindrance. I, I really, early on in the days, it was a hindrance. And Can I be honest, Dean? I don't get it. I don't get the, the URL. What's, am I missing something? I, NZ, <laughs> NZ means uh, New Zealand. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Sorry. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> Stupid NZ American bacon. over here, don't mind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, so, in, yeah, so, and, and, and so that maybe, you know, because New Zealand baker is just such a long word, you know, and we spell it out. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So, um, and, and but look, it, it got me on the street in terms of uh, the, the domain name and so forth. And then, and then we went through that dot com stage where, so I changed it to deanbrechneider dot com. Okay. Uh, and then everyone had a problem spelling Dean Brechneider, so <laughs> so I kind of I dropped that. But I tell you, the books, the book that I, the, the first book that I wrote, which is now into number thirteen, um, is was was like a massive passport. You know, it really was. This was the credibility. This was the door opener that, that opened doors beyond doors. Uh, because all of a sudden when, you, when you're published, and it doesn't mean that you have to be published in a book. You know, today it's so damn hard to get published, you know, uh, because you either have to be a TV personality or, or, um, or, or you know, reality TV star or something to get a book published. Um, much harder to publish a book today unless you, unless you fund it yourself. Um, 
And that just opened doors. It really did. Um, but again, I had the, the insight uh, from opening doors uh, early on, um, you know, with my industry writing. Mm. So... Uh, developing and then it, and look and then so deanbrichnider.com nzbaker.co.nz uh, I, I just had a sense that that wouldn't work and 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 so I was I tell you what I was sitting in China one day as I said I went to China uh, to do this um, uh, you know expat you know technical role uh, setting up bakeries and, and and so forth for large companies um, I was sitting there having a wine with a New Zealand guy. Uh, and I was uh, on my fourth book then, and the book, I didn't even think about it, but the book, I just said, uh, the book, and I took my photographer around the world with me, and we traveled, and we he shot things through my eyes that were influences from, from you know, I was 36 or something at the time, and, I, you know, you, you think life's all over then, or not even over, but you don't even know what's beyond. And the book was called Global Baker. And, and I was just sitting, and that was what I wanted to call the book, because I just felt that, you know, I was, I was this guy wandering around everywhere, and I had global influences, and the book was called Global Baker. And the guy that was sitting with me having a wine at the time, he said, that sounds like a brilliant brand name. And, and, I, and I just went, Light bulb. right. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so I, I went home, you know, after too many bottles of wine, and, and jumped on Google and to see if Global globalbaker.com was available and it was beautiful and and so that's how global baker you know that's the global baker brand and and if you look at the brand it just says global baker dean Schneider. you know that's who i am that's what i do my my businesses are called separate names but it, it's it's in essence what what i do and and it's about the global it's not just about global influences on breads cakes and pastries it's life it's people it's design in your you know, Absolutely. And just listening to you talk, trying to read between the lines and look for connections and way back, um, you know, early during this conversation, you said you just started giving um, at a very early age, 23, you're a young restaurateur, or baker, cafe owner, and you just started teaching other people. You didn't have much. You didn't have a lot of money. You didn't have a lot of time, but you gave what you could nights, weekends, whenever you could for the other person to give to the, the next generation. You just gave your knowledge, your time, what little time you had. And then you moved it to developing a skill writing. And then you gave your knowledge through your books and I can so resonate with you saying, just having that book open doors. When you start giving, you find a way, uh, your unique way to give back to the world opportunities start coming to you. And I mean, this podcast alone, like I can write emails to the most successful restaurant consultants, restaurateurs and get a response because I'm giving their knowledge to the rest of the world. And if you can find a way in your community uh, to just give back, you'll see that opportunities will start coming to you. Um, so just start giving and you got to give to get, you can't just get <laughs> like you got to give first. Yeah, totally. um, any reflection on what I shared? Yeah, no, look, totally. And, and I, a real case was just yesterday. You know, I had this email, you know, and, and like most entrepreneurs, you work, you work all day, all night, and, and today you can work in your bed before you wake up and when you go to sleep. Um, so I got this random email from a girl here in Singapore. She was a, she's a school student, young girl, uh, went onto my website, got a hold of me, um, and, and asked if she could spare some time to interview me because she was writing it. It was a hypothetical project of how to set up a cafe. 
And it was just all hypothetical, but it was a very little pet project she chose. She chose Baker and Cook and me to, to, to you know, to, to link into, you know, and, and I think I wrote back to her at 11 o'clock uh, the previous night and said, look, I, I, I can and I will, and, but I've got half an hour for you and could you be there at 7.30 in the morning? And, you know, 7.30 in the morning yesterday she turned up and uh, at, at my bakery we had a coffee um, you know, and I just felt that, you know, if someone's got the balls to, to, to write to me at that age and, and just share this, this little project, you know, why would I not give her the time? Mm. If I physically wasn't here, I'd probably do it somehow, whether it was a phone call or whatever. But why, why wouldn't I? You know, and, and she was just, she was nervous. She was, she was in awe. And it was, it's not about me. I think she was just, you know, she just felt, you know, this, this, overriding sort of feeling that she 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 got an answer that said yes she can have a chat mm. you know so it's, you're right it's just it's simple stuff huh? and in over 300 interviews uh one commonality among all these incredible people i've had the, the honor to speak to is that when they've ridden the the elevator to the top they always send it back down for the next person and they help that next person come up uh and then you know, it, it, you can't ignore that 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 commonality is there, and uh, you're you're continuing to do it. Uh, awesome stuff. Um, so, I mean, I want to start diving into your experiences with the current restaurants you have. Uh, real quick, how long did you own that first cafe bakery that opened uh, when you were 23? It was that's long gone? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I had a vision. You know, you talk about vision. I only went down to this little place called Dunedin in New Zealand, which was so not where I would go now. Um, but I wanted to, at that very young age, I wanted to put some skills. I, I knew I was a good baker. I knew I was a good patissier. Uh, I knew I was a teacher because I was. I did a small stint teaching, um, and I wanted to learn how to put all those sort of things into into reality. So, because uh, what I hadn't done is I hadn't run my own business. So at 23, I went all the way down to Dunedin, which from where I live was, you know, five hour drive, shifted the, myself and Susan down. And, um, you know, I bought a bakery, but I wanted to, I had a five year plan for that bakery because I bought it, that it was 20 years old. The guy was, you know, 65 retiring. Uh, he, he felt uh, passionate enough to sell the bakery to me. I wanted to know whether I could run a business and I could put all the things, the skills at 23, yeah? mm -hmm. all the skills that I'd learned into practice for reality. And I remember uh, going in and my God, I, did I work hard, you know, because I'd gone through so many stuff because I was such an asshole. <laughs> it, it had to be done my way or the highway. And, and I, you know, it was an arrogant little toe rag that had just returned from Europe working with the best. And I thought that's how, you know, in those days you used to treat people hard. And, and my God, did I learn the hard way because I, I you know, as I say, you know, all those staff I'd gone through because they were just getting sick of me and leaving. And then I was just working and training and working and training and working and training. When did it, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt your, your, uh, groove, but when did it click that that wasn't the way to do it? Like, when did you have your aha moment being like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I need to start being nice to these people. Uh, do you want to answer yeah. that after you finish your thought yeah. or? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do that. But so, um, um, hang on, I'll just write down being nice because it's a really important, a really important part. Um, 
you know, so so the the interesting thing is that that first business, you know, it was my training ground. I had five year plan. I achieved it in three years. I wanted to turn. I looked at the books, you know, because even way back then, I you know, it was only oh my god, I think I paid two hundred thousand dollars for it. And you know, I thought my life was over. I had two hundred thousand. <laughs> I bought sixty thousand off my father and 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 took a bank loan. And oh my god, I think I had ten thousand dollars of my own. Um, but what I wanted to learn was how to, I could see that he was an old guy, was doing things around the wrong way and, and, you know, his wage bill was 40% excluding his, his salary. Uh, the food costs were at 39%. So I went, there must be a way to make money out of this place as well as, as well as, as well as change it, as well as put my stamp on it. Uh, so the biggest thing I learned was, um, and I remember going to the accountant the first week, and I had my own P&L done, you know, 23. Wow. Uh, I had my own P&L done. And, and the, the old guy there was uh, also of a similar age to the guy I bought the business off, the accountant. And he just looked at me and he went, you're an executive baker. And I said, <laughs> what does that mean? He said, well, normally we've got people coming in here uh, with a big shoebox full of receipts and and." I tell them six months after they give me that shoebox how well their business has been. And, and, and that's, that's, that's reality. Some people don't even know. They know six months after the year end that they had a bad year. Mm. I went to them with a monthly P&L and, and, and told them, you know, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to change and this would be my profit. And he just looked at me and was like, he was astounded that this young guy at 23 uh, who was a, a baker uh, rocked up with a P&L. Um, so, you know, I sold my business uh, after three years there because I've achieved everything I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but look, just, just, and, but that just shows determination, focus, and it's not all just about making nice cakes and breads. Huh? There's a business angle to it. Um, and, and if you touch on the other business angle, which uh, I learned very, very uh, nicely, was, was about being nice. Um, you know, I would, when, when, you know, it, it still frustrates me, and I don't think it'll ever go away because, you know, when you're, when you're a perfectionist in lots of things, you know, you have to learn how to control your perfectionism. And, and I had to learn that because I realized that everyone is not me. And they don't think like me and they don't act like me. So how can I achieve a hundred and for them to be acting a hundred percent like me is impossible. So I had to drop my expectation a little bit. Didn't mean I had to drop my standards. I just had to drop my expectation. Because when things were, you know, occasionally they forgot to turn the oven on, uh, the alarm on the oven, you know, because they've got a hundred other things going on. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the oven and answer the oven way back then, I'd pull out, you know, two trays or four trays or whatever was in there and they were burnt or they were slightly dark and I would just, I would just lose it, you know, and, and, and I would, and I remember the, throwing a tray of cookies at a guy, not, not, not at, at him, but like in his direction because it just frustrated me so much. <laughs> And, you know, the next day didn't turn up. And, and this was a constant thing that was going on. And, and, you know, I was constantly striving for perfection and constantly, but I was, I was doing it in a way in the, of 23 that, that I didn't, you know, that was, that was, you know, making people feel bad, that was demeaning people and, and they were losing face and it was, it was horrible. And then I just, I, I just, I, I don't know, after just so many, you know, that, that time I did that, I, I just lost it and then I just went, my God, you know, what about if I be nice to people? You know, what about, I, I didn't, you know, still, it still got burnt. I could just tell it in another way. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
those are some great just lessons when you know hindsight's 2020 looking back what we could have done differently but i mean some other great takeaways from that early uh time in your life just listening to you obviously the numbers the P&Ls, just paying attention to the numbers are so important but one thing that you might have you know looked over listening to you or the listeners might have like not really you know hooked into is once you've achieved your goals move on to the next thing. I feel like s- successful people in this in this industry, what they do is they never settle with, okay, we're here. It's yeah. always, what's the next thing? It's always, okay, we, we met our goal. What can we, what's the next goal in life? The, what's the, oh, we, never settle for, okay, we're here. Because once you get there and you stop working like you were working when you weren't at your goal, that's when everybody starts running, flying past you and just surpassing you. Like never stop working towards a goal don't settle wherever you are that that's a huge lesson any reflections on that yeah totally um you know and, and if you're goal driven you know and and and, and look goals uh, they change they you, they change uh, for some reasons outside your control but it doesn't mean you can't navigate your round way around um yeah it, look it, and i think goals and vision vision and goals they they they're just they're intertwined uh, your vision is, is you know, is, is literally how you're going to get there and, and you know, uh, it, it's long-term stuff a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, it is, it, it's, it's almost like being that little dog, you know, that little fox terrier that's got hold of that bone and they just won't let it go. You've got to have that sort of mentality almost. I love it. Um, so, man, I feel like we, we're only at your 23 years old at this point. I feel like we, there's so much more to talk about. So we're going to make the speed round really fast because I want to stick and kind of talk about some of the bigger lessons you learned or the more recent lessons you've learned in opening uh, 10 plus locations, uh, maybe right around 10 locations in the past five years. So let's talk about the more recent, like the, uh, some of the things you've learned, some of the key things that you've learned in applying them to your current roles in the past five years? Like, what are the big lessons and takeaways you have to share with us? You know, look, I mean, and I think, you know, building businesses from scratch is, um, you know, is part of the journey, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I think, you know, when you you do that, you you are, you you become more, you know, what I learned, I mean, I don't clearly bake anymore, uh, although I've got a school which has got people involved in it and I, and I do classes and, and because that's what I have to do and uh, I walk around a lot in my, my baking clothes and I speak with my customers and I'm, you know, constantly in the business, but I'm, I'm not physically there at two o'clock in the morning anymore, you know, baking away or, you know, I've got a wonderful, you know, team of people that do that. And so I spend time on the business. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you, you know, working, you know, it's not just about that loaf of bread anymore or that, that, that amazing cake. You know, it's, it is about your wage costs. You know, wage costs are increasing, you know, living costs are increasing. So wage costs are, are relative to that. You know, you've got, so you've got to keep in check with that. You've got to keep in check with your, your, your food costs, uh, your rental. You know, one of the biggest factors that most people forget about in their business is, is some of their fixed overheads. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, hand on the heart, you know, starting five years ago with, you know, three of us throwing in a couple of hundred thousand dollars in the middle of the table uh, to, to now turning over $10 million. Wow. Is, is, and we haven't had any funding at all. It's all been self-generated and it's all been, and, and don't worry, I've had some good dividend payouts, so we're, we're doing nicely. Um, so... You know, there's 
the, the fact is, is that there's, there's, you know, today's world and business is there's social media to think about. You know, my wife continually said, why are you on your cell phone? Why are you on this? Why are you constantly on your smartphone? And, and it's because social media is just also another platform that, that is, is, a, is part of today's business mm. as well as that beautiful cake um, and pastry. Staff training, you know, is an important part. You know, I, it's not that I have to train them, but welfare. Staff welfare is probably even more important, or equally as important as training. Um, you know, making sure that your suppliers, because, you know, invariably when, when you're running successful businesses, you, you, there's a supply chain that, that you rely on immensely. And the suppliers are, you know, don't kick your suppliers because when, when problems happen, the suppliers are there to support you. Because without the suppliers, I can't make that beautiful loaf of bread or the cake. And so, so today's, today's world, you know, what, what I've learned through people, uh, through big businesses, uh, corporations. Uh, I consult for, you know, invariably when you're successful, you get to consult for a lot of people who, who are larger corporations, and I'm talking multinationals. And they pay you to, to tell you and give you, you know, if you choose to want to be paid in, in, in a way that you're consulting for large companies. But the, what you learn from them, you know, they're learning stuff from you because you're an entrepreneur and you're giving an insight into your world and, and so forth. But you're learning also an immense amount of information from them, whether it's marketing. You know, they'll spend a million dollars on marketing uh, on a particular subject, which, you know, you're exposed to. Uh, so you take insights from those sort of things. And, and that's what makes your business successful today. You've got to have your eyes and ears everywhere. And if it's not on the, the product and it's not on the supply chain, then it's not on your books. It's on the service side. It's on the design side. You know, there, there's just, 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 your eyes are everywhere. Your eyes and your mind, are, you know, and, and are just constant. It's, you know, it's, it's, and that's how you juggle things. You know, you, you can either do it or not. People just say, how do you get up? How do you do so much? How do you, you know, I've got a 21 year old son, so I don't need to be going to, to you know, to soccer at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, but that, that's just the mind of an entrepreneur, you know, but today, and you'll talk, you talk to any entrepreneur of, of you know, and I'm 47, but, uh, or any restaurateur, uh, go back to the easy days, it was kind of easy because the rents were low, you, you just cooked your ass off and baked your ass off and, and the product was, was kind of sold. Now, now, there are so many other elements to your business because success creates, uh, Success creates, you know, many opportunities, and um, you know, you you go. I'm off to Kuwait to do a food show to to do taste Kuwait, but you know, someone needs to write the recipe. Someone needs to create the, you know, the the scene before you get there, and and all that's part of it. You know, yeah. so much. So, how do you manage to do all these things? What things have you done differently in your life to have all these opportunities and to take on all these opportunities? How do you manage to be in so many different places at once? What's the key to that? Um, you know, your zest for life is what, what wakes you up in the morning. And, 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 you know, so I choose what I want to do. Um, and, and I think, you know, you just make it happen. You know, we're here for a short period of time in our life. And, and, you know, it just happens to be that I love what I'm doing and, and so forth. And I'll, if you asked me to go sailing around the world, I would still make that happen because that's, that's just what you do. 
Awesome. And so awesome. you make things happen. There's no magical, there's no, there's no hours, there's no, there's no magical formula. You just, you know, I have an acronym actually in my business and people just look at me a bit weirdly when I say this, but the acronym that I have in my business is called GSD. So G for goat, S for Sally and D for dog. And it means get shit done. <laughs> and, I love um, it. And, and, you know, I say it with a bit of tongue in cheek, but my God, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff behind that, 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 that little, that acronym that actually is, is really important. You know, there's a whole, there's lots of ducks in, in line to be able to, to live and breathe that. Oh man, that's funny. I have a little like chant that I say to myself and it reminds me of my chant, which is just, there ain't nothing to it, but to do it and, you know, get shit done. You know, there ain't nothing to it, but to do it. And just when you don't want to do something, it's amazing how much, um, resistance you'll put up, how much energy you'll, you use just to resist getting something done. And then you start doing it. And like five minutes into you're like, why was I putting up such a resistance? Like I'm just doing it. Like there's nothing to it, but to do it, just get shit done. And once you start, it's just that momentum builds and it's not so bad just do it um i love it man and i think i think positive positiveness if you like you know is infectious so you know absolutely surround yourself with positive people you know i mean lie down with dogs and you get up with fleas i mean there's all these analogies but you know it, it really is that i mean half the people that that i associate myself for with uh, people like me, you know, it doesn't mean that they're bakers and restaurateurs, hell no, they might be lawyers, they might be partners in the law firm, but they're passionate about what they're doing and uh, they might be TV producers and, and, and you know, just, just normal people and those are the people that you find yourself gravitating to just, just even if you go to a, a function or a party, you gravitate to the people that have high energy, that, um, that you know, have that, that sparkle in their eye and have that magic about them. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, it's not about a CV anymore. It's just about that connection. I love it. And, you know, you've taught us so much just about the successes you've had in your life, uh, the journey you took to get to where you are and the, the big takeaways you've had. But what is a failure you had, Dean? Tell us about a time you fell hard on your ass uh, with a failure. And what did you learn from that failure? Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm, I struggle with that, to be honest, because, you know, I... I I really struggle answering that. And everyone asks me that, that, that same question. And, and I haven't had any failures that, that, that are, I mean, there's day to day failures. I mean, you know, but I don't, I don't even know that I would call anything a failure. You know, that they're all just, you know, nothing's rocked me to, uh, and I'm sure there's some people out there that are waiting for some shit to happen to me so that they can say, well, he's not bulletproof. But, <laughs> Um, to be really honest, it's you know that there's, there's nothing big enough to go. You know, I haven't learned from it, and and but it's not shattered my world. You know, you know sometimes you read that, you know, he lost everything, and you know his ass up against the wall. You know, I, even I had I had a shareholder buyout that cost me a million two, and and you know that's not a failure. That's the best thing that ever happened to me in the world. You know, but at the time it was it was painful when it, it affected my team here and. And you know, it was just it was it was just annoying, and but it wasn't a failure. Yeah. You know, it, just, it was a time and a place, and and we got on with it, and and it was it's the best thing that ever happened because since she's departed, I've opened you know ten stores. You know, you know, if you're truly optimistic and you you try to look at the best of all situations, it's really hard to fail because there's always there's almost always a silver lining. Um, is that something you you say you would say is something that's present yeah. with you, the, the optimism? 
Yeah, oh, look, totally. I mean, absolutely, totally. I mean, my my wife, she says, you know, you're the worst person to have an argument with you because <laughs> you, you don't argue. And I'm going, well, there's no point. You know, I'll debate with you. I won't argue with you because that's just n- nonsense. Uh. Um, you know, look, everything is about relationships in the world, you know, because when, when you do have and invariably have a challenge ahead of you or, 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 you know, things happen along the way, you know, it depends. You, you surround yourself with the people that just help. You know, they just kind of they automatically sort of pick you up, and they don't sort of pick you up off the ground. You know, there's just kind of just just by being around them or talking to them, it, it just helps. You know, mm-hmm. you yourself up. And um, and that that look, I think one of the huge successful things in in part of my business is relationships. And 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 the, as I say, whether it's supplier based. Um, but don't forget, you know, the people that, that are your customers are also pretty influential people in life. And, and you know, partly opening up Manila and, 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 and going on my growth phase to, to bring my brand international, truly international and truly global, is about people, mm. uh, both with internally in my business, but people that, that are able to, to buy into your vision, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's even government people. Because, you know, countries love entrepreneurs that are doing great things because they're almost a, by default an ambassador to, to the country. And, you know, that goes for New Zealand where I'm, you know, I've got a stronghold on, on no business in New Zealand, but I've got a stronghold on media. But, I, you know, I'm a New Zealander at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, so people help. They just, you know, I mean, Air New Zealand is a great airline and they fly me around the world because I'm a great New Zealander. I'm an ambassador to New Zealand and they want to attach themselves with great people. You know, it's, it's not a monetary thing. It's just, a, you know, it's just, a, it's just people doing the right things for people. You know, wow. Singapore government see us as a Singaporean and we are a Singaporean business. Uh, I'm not Singaporean, but I started my business in Singapore and, you know, they found me the contact uh, for our first uh, international franchise in Manila, you know, because they, they look at our business and said, you know, you're a fantastic business. You started in the neighborhoods. You're a neighborhood business, and we love, we love what you've done to the community. We, you know, we applaud you for that. So how can we help you? And all that I've done is put bakeries and pizza places in the neighborhoods. And they're saying, that's exactly what we want you to do, you know, because I'm not in the city and I'm not in the malls. Uh, and they just think that's the best thing because I'm, I'm, it's a community feel. You know, and that's, that's government level just going, how can we help you? You know, and I'm baker guy around the corner man and it all started for you with just giving uh and somebody gave to you somebody came into your school and said hey i'm looking for a young guy who's passionate about baking who could be an apprentice who do you have for me and then he started giving to you and you've just been continuing to give and now look what's happening to you with your government giving to you to give you these resources to do what you can do i mean just surround yourself with great people uh and just per- Put value, positivity into the world, and good things will come uh, over time. I mean, it seems super like simple to say, but sometimes it is that simple. Am, am I crazy? Uh, yeah. it, totally. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's bloody hard work. Our underlying <laughs> all the, underlying yeah, right. all this conversation is is the is the <laughs> as a day. It's the you know, is the exhaustion is, is it's 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 the the mind you know, and then you've got staff and you know, there's all that. So, but you know. You don't do it because clearly if that was your your problem, you just wouldn't do it, you know. So, you know, but there is an incredible amount of hard work and that just goes. And whether you own an IT company or or a small supermarket, um, 
uh, or a taxi company. It's all bloody hard work. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips to join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves. Head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran there's always something new to learn that never ends (laughs) But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. We are back. The first question I have for you, Dean, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Ooh, um, I think, you know, uh, I'm a New Zealander and uh, New Zealand is, uh, is, is a, a country of, of influences. So I think one of the main things that has made me successful is to be open to, to many influences and, and, and not have a closed mind. So uh, you know, open your eyes and, and you'll be influenced by so many things and it may not have anything to do with food. You know, that, that's, you know, that's just one of the best things I think you can sort of look at. Beautiful. What is your biggest weakness? Um, biggest weakness. Hmm. You know, uh, goodness me, you probably hit me there because, uh, <laughs> it, my, probably my biggest weakness is I, is, is, is I say yes to lots of things. <laughs> When I should say no. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give others to lead? I think trust people. Um, you know, pe- people like to be led. You know, you've got to. So you've got to give time. You know, just give time, and 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 that's the best way to to uh, lead people. Beautiful. What is one question you have or thing you look for when trying to uh, hire or surround yourself with other great people? Oh, look, I look for that. I look for that fire in the belly. You know, I look for the sparkle in the eye. 
and you know you know that that you know they whether you're you know whether you're my dishwasher or or you're you know my general manager or the shop person and it's that sparkle in the eye it's that fire in the belly that and the smile absolutely mm. I love that you threw smile in there at the end. Uh, what is a current challenge you have and how are you dealing with it? Oh, look, my current challenge, <laughs> to be fair, would be trying to spend some more time with my wife, uh, who, who last year told me I spent 80 days with her. Um, so the challenge for that is I've got a growing business and that needs me. And uh, But, you know, uh, somehow I have to find some more time. What are you doing? What actions are you putting in place to get more time for yourself? Uh, you know, look, and, that, and that's about that's about physical time. So, you know, I'm jumping on a plane a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I I'm I'm building my team. You know, my team can handle life without me for sure. I mean, I go away every month for for up to ten days. So, I just need to to focus on that and um, you know, just be actually. I think also just to be present. You know, I can I can be in Denmark and Copenhagen, uh, and but I'm not even there. So, I think one of the biggest things. Is, is to be present. What is one thing besides food or bread your restaurants do really well that separates you from other restaurants? Look, we one of the you know service and and you know we fix problems because um, invariably no one's perfect. We're not perfect, but all that I really care about is is solving the problem. And, and I don't care what we do. We just if a challenge comes up with a with a in service. Uh, we, we just solve it no matter what. You don't even have to involve me. We just get it done. What is one book that is a must read for somebody who's looking to open a restaurant or be a better person? Oh, um, goodness me. Um, whew, I, I do read a little few books like that. Um, no, I, I, I like, to be honest, that there's a book, uh, I, I like Danny Meyer's uh, book called Setting the Table uh, because that uh, is about setting the scene, you know, and again, it's not about setting the physical table in, in a restaurant and serving food. It's about the influences. Mm. It's about, you know, the, the, the approach. It's about service. It's, you know, so, so Danny Meyer's, um, you know, Setting the Table is, is a good read for, for most uh, people in the, in the hospitality, entrepreneurial food world. Is there one lesson from that book that you can just think of and share with us today? Um, and I think it probably it probably goes down to service. Um, you know, it's about you know just uh, fixing the problems. You know, I mean, they're, they're, no one's right and wrong, and and it's not about the customer always being right because you know the customer's not always right. Um, but it's about you know solving the problem so that it's that that you know, everyone's happy. And uh, so he does that very well in, in in that particular instance, and he gives many examples in the book throughout that that, that deliver that. Yeah, and this book is on Audible, guys. So if you haven't yet signed up for Audible, uh, you can get this book for free. This is the most recommended book on the show. Danny Myers, Setting the Table. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get that free trial today. Free book. You won't regret it. There's no better way, in my opinion, to stay on top of things and learn than audiobooks. Um, it's changed my life. So uh, what is one piece of technology you have adopted in your restaurants that is having a huge influence on operations, productivity, uh, profitability or just you know overall making your restaurant better oh look I think um, I, I think it actually has to be smartphones and and I say that because you know all my key people are, are you know using it as a day-to-day communication and 
and you know you can get real time figures uh, on your on your on your smartphone. So uh, you know that, and but it instantly can be used for instant messaging, and you know so so it's got to be your smartphone, I think. Uh, what's one like uh, app or tool that you're using in conjunction with your smartphone that's really helping out? Um, we we use WhatsApp incredibly. Uh, you know, it's a dangerous tool um, to be honest. Instant messaging. <laughs> Um, but you know we're we're pretty disciplined at it, and uh, you know they've got their little groups and subgroups, and and it works nicely. And um, so, you know, apart from the POS or the point of sale information, which isn't actually accessible to everyone, so it's got to be simple instant messaging, stroke WhatsApp. Yeah, some of the biggest challenges come when there's just a lack of communication. So anything that can help you communicate and keep everybody on the same page, and uh, when you leverage these tools, these communication tools, it really just eliminates excuses. Uh, everybody has access to the information. What's your excuse? There isn't one. So great tools. Um, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time, Dean, and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? Um. You know, uh, I think you know working working on your business uh, and not necessarily in your business uh, is one of the most important uh, pieces of advice. And too many people are, are, are great bakers, but they're and great restaurant, or well, sorry, great chefs, uh, but they're not particularly great restaurateurs. So uh, you know, get your head out of the mixing bowl and and, and the pot, uh, and and actually start talking to your your staff, and and more importantly, start engaging with your customers more physically rather than via social media. Mm. What is one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Well, I don't know that there is. Um, you know, you, the, the, there's, always, there's always sacrifices in being successful. And, um, you, know, the, you know, my sacrifice, uh, luckily enough, I've you know, got one son and he wants to come into, the, into my business. But, uh, you know, do spend time you know, I think with with the people that are important to you, because um, you know they are often there when 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 staff are not. Um, so you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that there's any physical scars or anything like that, but it's just it's just really important that you know the people that are sticking around you, washing your clothes and 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 vacuuming and or, or whether you know whatever. That, so I think it's important to uh, to add a little bit of that. I'm not very good at it to be honest, but. Uh, other people should take note. <laughs> awesome. Dean, you've been amazing. Uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire and think would be a great guest mentor on the show like you've been for us today? Uh, look, I'm, um, I'm incredibly uh, fortunate enough to have uh, a friend um, who's, who's not young anymore. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if sort of early 70s is young, but um, there's a guy called Rick Stein, um, and uh, he's uh, obviously a UK-based uh, TV personality, but also restaurateur, uh, Rick Stein. And, um, you know, he's pretty tough to get hold of, but uh, he also, you know, gave me opportunities when I was younger and in time and uh, uh, very successful. And, um, yeah, he, he's a good guy. That is a good name. I've heard of him for sure. And Rick Stein, look, at him. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And Dean, let the folks at home know who are listening in. If we want to connect with you, if you want to maybe pick up your books, or if you want to uh, maybe come out and learn under your team uh, out to you know Singapore, like what's the best way to connect? 
Oh, look, I mean, uh, the best way is just uh, via globalbaker.com. I think there's a way to contact me via that. Um, and, and look, that just leads into any of my businesses and, and uh, so forth. And um, you can just touch me and tag me on that. And, you know, to be honest, you know, it's quite interesting. I forgot to, to mention that, you know, constantly I've got customers who, you know, baking is a weird thing, you know. People just, people... It's it's a now thing. People are just emotionally involved with baking, and I've got many people that that write to me, and they're just customers, and they want to come and work for me for one day a week. <laughs> uh, just to, I don't know what to do, but they they're they're chopping twenty five kgs of butter up and putting it into bowls, and they just love it. So not that I want everyone to contact me and do that, but but you know, it just shows you the importance of of giving, and um, you know, these are these are just people off the street, and um, you have to be careful in how you you know you manage that, but. You know, just globalbaker.com, it just kind of encases everything. It's, it's not even up to date with every movement I make, but um, it's a good way to connect. Awesome. This is episode 304. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 304 for a summary of the conversation and uh, the, the links to everything that Dean's got going on, his books, uh, his contact information will be all right there, 304. Dean, thank you so much for taking the time to join us as a guest mentor, to share your story, to share your advice. We are all better because of it, and there is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers. Boom. Bombs of knowledge being dropped in this episode. I loved it. Thank you, Dean Breschneider. Uh, I mean, where do we start? I mean, obviously, some just real quick things. Staying positive, giving back, uh, mentoring the next generation of people, uh, knowing your numbers. I mean, just a few things that came out in this episode. But what I really want to focus on in just the next minute or two hopefully just a minute if you're lucky, is the power of giving. Um, when you give, you get. When you help other people, they will want to help you back. And it's tough. I get it. When you're young, if you don't have a lot of resources, if you're new to the industry, you don't have a lot to give. But what Dean did and what we can all do is he became a person of value. He developed a specific skill, and he got really good at it, uh, and he always learned. He was always surrounding himself with those other people who could make him even better, and he could tie his name, his personal brand with these other incredible people. He went and he worked for them. That's what you can do. You can become a person of value. If you're a chef, if you're if you're things in the back of, back of house and you want to become a person of value... Learn a special skill. Find out what you're good at and become the best at it. Then you become a person of value. Then you can approach people and say, hey, this is my special skill. I can give it to you. Let me join your team. If you're in the front of house, I mean, there's so many different things you can specialize in, whether it's culture or just leadership or maybe technology or maybe you're really good with numbers. Figure out what you're good at and become the best at it. And then you become valuable. People will want you on their team. Then you can start using that asset, that value you created for yourself to, to get yourself on the best teams um, and then to grow your network. And you put this emphasis on the, the value 
of relationships, but you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So don't waste that time developing relationships with people that won't lift you up. Find the people that will lift you up, tie on to their network, and provide them value. And repeat and just keep on doing it. I mean, that's that's how Dean uh, got the knowledge he he needed to open his restaurant at 23 years old, and then he continued to do it. And then and then he got all this knowledge and he taught other people. And then he went on to help even more people by putting all this knowledge into books. I mean, I'm not saying all of you if you want to open a restaurant go write a book, but I mean, he's an extreme example. How can you provide more value to this world, and how can you help other people? You know. It's all about impact, impacting the lives of other people, helping them, developing those relationships. Uh, Awesome interview. I loved it. (laughs) All right, guys. Like always, I have to remind you, uh, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. This interview was because of Tim Strange. Thank you, Tim Strange. He shot me an email, and he gave me a list of people to get in touch with. This is just one of them. I hope to get some of the other folks on the show. So who do you know? Who do you want on the show? Who do you admire? Who do you think can provide value? Who do you have in your network that you can connect me to so we can all learn together? Uh, Connect with me on Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable i'm on snapchat too guys i'm trying to be better about snapchat eric cacciatore if i see some people adding me on snapchat maybe i'll start being better and i'm also being much more active on instagram again eric cacciatore uh those are the ways you can connect with me the best way to connect with me is with those one-on-one chats i love those chats I get just as much value from those chats as you guys do. You can tell me where the pain is and I can get somebody on the show to help alleviate that pain. And I'll learn too because that's why I started this podcast because <laughs> I wanted to learn. So you guys can help me out. Hopefully I can help you out. And um, I can't forget to tell you guys about the mastermind group that I'm starting up again. We had our first mastermind that wrapped up about three months ago. It was extremely successful. Uh, I made some incredible friends. Uh, I'm still staying in touch with this mastermind group, many of the people in the mastermind group. And what a mastermind group is, guys, it's just a way to basically multiply the power of your own brain by tapping into the brains of other people and having a support group, people to hold you accountable, to set goals into you know, say your goals out loud and then have to show up a, a month later knowing that you committed to these goals and people are going to call you out if you didn't achieve those goals. Plus just, you know, um, if you have a problem, there's a good chance that somebody else in the mastermind group has experienced that problem or maybe looked into that problem. They might have some advice for you and vice versa. I mean, it's a very effective tool to uh, just compound brain power essentially uh and i'm gonna be hosting three groups three groups of four and there's already three people that are pretty much said that they're gonna do it so there's only nine spots left guys if you are interested in this do not hesitate i have a feeling those email or those um spots are going to fill up fast especially after i send the email to those who subscribed with the details so if you haven't subscribed to the email list and you want to learn more about this uh, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com and subscribe to the email list. I'll shoot you the details. Um, or just shoot me an, an email, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. I'll be happy to forward that email along to you. Um, it's worth it, I'm telling you. So that's all I have today, guys. Thank you for sticking around this long. I love you all. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.